millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Good morning. It's 830 on Thursday, October 19th. I'm Michael Guidry in for Desiree Frazier, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, sleep-related deaths are the third leading cause of infant mortality in Mississippi. Then experts say smoking can drastically increase someone's chance of developing chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, also known as COPD. Plus, black women in Mississippi are the most at risk for breast cancer. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Sleep-related deaths are the third leading cause of infant mortality in Mississippi, according to the State Department of Health. These deaths fall under the category of sudden infant death syndrome, commonly known as SIDS, which occurs when a baby under the age of one dies in their sleep. It's SIDS Awareness Month, and while nearly one-third of SIDS cases have unknown causes, experts want to help educate people about the risks that are well-known. Arlacy Alexander speaks with State Health Officer Dr. Dan Edney about how parents can help prevent SIDS. SIDS is leading cause of death for our infants under age one uh, that aren't related to birth complications, but babies who survive birth and otherwise we're doing okay and it is sudden infant death syndrome and then we also have sudden unexplained infant death and you know all of that goes together we have sudden infant death syndrome that is related to unexplained uh, sudden infant death there, it's not a suffocation uh, there was no co-sleeping the baby was just found more abundant where they were sleeping and were unable to be resuscitated. Then you have the other component of SIDS is related to those who are accidentally suffocated while sleeping in bed or or strangled by bed sheets, which is why with SIDS, you know, we heavily promote back to sleep, which is placing your infant to sleep on his or her back swaddled appropriately, but on their back, and the rate of SIDS will go down significantly, and then never, ever, ever co-sleep. Infants are just at too much risk, and it is such a tragedy to lose a baby to accidental strangulation or or suffocation. What oftentimes happens is, you know, mom or daddy accidentally rolls over in their sleep. The baby suffocates before they're able to wake up or they get caught in the bed sheets and, and strangle. So these are all preventable deaths, you know, if we just practice back to sleep, putting our babies to, to bed, and then making sure that they're safe in, uh, in their own bedding and not co-sleeping with the family. Are there any misconceptions around SIDS that you'd like to clarify for our listeners? 
you know, it's a tragedy that we can avert. So and that's why we put a lot of energy and effort trying to spread the message about back to sleep and, and no co-sleeping. And, you know, the uh, a, a lot of people think that SIDS is just going to happen, and there, if it happens, there's nothing that could be done. Practicing back to sleep principles to the best of your ability really will help reduce those infant deaths. And then the co-sleeping is such a, a big deal. I know parents get exhausted. You have a baby who's needing to be comforted to sleep, and oftentimes the easier thing is just to bring them to bed with you, but it just you know, really increases the rate of your baby dying to do that. You've talked at length about this back to sleep and about co-sleeping. What other tips do you have for new parents so that their babies can sleep safer? I have four grandchildren and a fifth on the way. So I have gotten to experience infants of my children's generation. And I see a lot of attention being paid to proper swaddling of, of infants and making sure they're sleeping on their back swaddled. And that keeps them from rolling over gives them that that snug feeling where they feel comforted and then much less likely to roll over in their sleep, which, you know, increases the the risk of of SIDS. Just making sure that that bedding environment is safe, make sure that you're using uh, modern, up-to-date, certified, approved cribs and beds and mattresses. Uh, the, The days of passing cribs down through the family over generations is over because of the beds that we use with my babies you know, wouldn't pass safety standards today. So having that modern, up-to-date, safety-approved bedding is really important. And to make sure there's nothing in the bed that the baby could accidentally choke on or uh, get caught between the mattress and the railings, you know, just looking overall at the safe environment of where your baby's going to be sleeping. In America, the SIDS Awareness Month kind of goes hand-in-hand with Infant Loss Awareness Month. Uh, Like you said, the Department of Health does state that sleep-related deaths are the third leading cause of death for Mississippi's babies. What are the other two leading causes, and what can the state do in general to improve our infant mortality rate? Oh, what a wonderful question. Well, when you you roll in all babies, um, including neonates, we lose a lot of babies early after delivery, oftentimes related to being premature or low birth weight babies or having other genetic uh, complications, some of which just aren't able to survive. Others, if they're born in the right place at the right time, would have a better chance of, of survival. And so at the health department, we are not only studying, but we're look, looking at implementing innovative ways to help high-risk mothers who are going to deliver high-risk babies to deliver where they need to be so there's a NICU available right away instead of delivering at a lower level than transferring a baby that's really sick. That that baby needs to get into a NICU immediately. And working on on that issue at a population level is going to save a lot of these neonates that today we're losing. And then making sure mothers have proper access to prenatal care and understand the importance of prenatal care. And you you say, well, what in the world does that have to do with infant death? Well, if mama is healthier during her pregnancy and she gets the prenatal care she needs and that baby will be healthier when he or she is delivered, 
and will be at lower risk of unnecessary death you know, early in life. So we have to take care of our, of our moms, especially while they're pregnant, and then be ready to take care of that baby as soon as they are born. And then take care of them, really pay attention that first whole year of life. Uh, that's why the health department is rolling out also the Healthy Moms, Healthy Babies program to work with our high-risk Medicaid moms and, and babies to reduce the risk of death from preventable causes. Dr. Dan Edney is the state health officer for Mississippi. Coming up, nearly one in 10 Mississippians are diagnosed with COPD. A new report asks why. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Family owned. You know, I respect my dad a lot. I know it wasn't easy when he passed the baton to me. But in the end, he realized it was the best thing for the business to sometimes look at things from different colored lenses. Family Owned, a legacy leadership podcast, exploring family businesses who make up the backbone of the American economy. Listen now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or go to mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Michael Guidry. A new report from the American Lung Association shows nearly 5% of American adults suffer from chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. It's commonly known as COPD, and it's one of the leading causes of death nationally. In Mississippi, more than 9% of adults are diagnosed with disease, nearly twice the national average. Our Desiree Fraser speaks with Dr. Bobby Mahajan, a pulmonologist and volunteer spokesperson with the American Lung Association. He says Mississippi scored some of the lowest marks on the organization's report card for COPD. COPD is a disease that is highly driven by cigarette smoking. And when people inhale the cigarette smoke, which has a multiple number of toxins along with tobacco, it causes injury to the small air sacs within the lung. And by injuring those air sacs, people become more short of breath. They have trouble doing everyday activities like getting dressed, taking a shower, going and doing groceries. Um, and what we end up seeing is that over time, as people continue to smoke, lung disease, the lung disease continues to progress, um, and they continue to get more and more short of breath until they're completely debilitated by that disease. Is that anything like asthma? It's a little bit different. Um, asthma is really a disease of the airways themselves that kind of constrict down when they're irritated, while COPD is actually an injury to the lung tissue itself. Those airways lead to that lung tissue. And when the lung tissue is injured, it doesn't really prevent it. It's not reversible the way asthma is. It actually is injured and it stays injured over time. And talking about COPD, why is it smoking that, is there any other issue that could lead to this disease? Yeah, there, there are other kind of factors that can lead to or increase the risk of COPD. Some of those are genetics. Some people have underlying genetic diseases, although rare, uh, called alpha-1 antitrypsin disease, but also pollution or other irritants that are inhaled on a regular basis can cause some of that same damage. Now, smoking is obviously the highest risk, but when you have multifactorial approaches like exposure to pollution and smoking, that can only facilitate the occurrence of COPD. I see. And talking about Mississippi, 
We are a rural state. There's a large yeah. percentage of poverty, and those are some of the areas that would make it more prevalent, according to the American Lung Association. Your thoughts? So we, we run into a few issues with regards to poverty association and COPD. One is that Mississippi itself does have a higher incidence of smoking, and as a result, chronic smoking will result in uh, COPD. And, and the two other issues we run into are that awareness of the dangers of smoking um, and the development of risk of COPD is not as prevalent as we'd like. So at the American Lung Association, what we try and do is provide as much education as possible about the risk of smoking. Um, and the last thing that we typically see is that, you know, there's not as much access to medical care as we'd like to be able to counsel individuals who smoke to stop and to kind of educate about the risk of smoking. Now, some people already smoke, they've been smoking for a long time, and they want to quit. And smoking cessation is very challenging in certain areas, especially when resources aren't available. So what we try and do is advocate for the democratization of these smoking cessation kind of resources so that individuals who want to quit can quit and they get help because smoking really is an addiction as opposed to a choice. So basically, you're talking about more access to education and health care. Correct. And I think if we did have that access, we'd be able to cut these rates significantly in Mississippi. I'm looking at some of those numbers for COPD in Mississippi that the Lung Association provided. 204,000 people in the state have been diagnosed with COPD. Is that considered Mm -hmm. a large number? It is considered a large number. Really, what we try and uh, kind of relate it to is what the national kind of prevalence is. And across the United States, the prevalence of COPD is about 5%. Uh, So Mississippi is well above that. Um, And honestly, I think that what we are dealing with is just the ability to to try and educate individuals on the risks and smoking. Uh, Because at the end of the day, the most common cause is smoking. Our challenge with regards to education, like I said, is making sure that patients have access to get that education and treatment, because there are a number of treatment options available for COPD, such as medications and pulmonary rehabilitation, where we strengthen the breathing muscles. Uh, but we need to have access to that, and we have to have make sure people understand that those uh, resources are available if they are. You mentioned treatments, and the annual cost of COPD treatments in Mississippi is estimated at $280 million. Those are people who have access to health care, but there's a lot of people that don't have health insurance. Yeah, and and I think that is a, a great point, that if we want to be able to empower individuals to stop smoking, take care of themselves, live a healthy lifestyle, we have to make that those kind of resources available. Um, and the challenge, like you said, just because they have a hospital nearby, we have to make the cost affordable to get treatment and get examined. So I think that is a, a huge kind of avenue to um, actually engage our elected officials and our government officials to say, look, if you are providing us with this education, we need to have the resources and the financial sustainability for us to see these doctors get these treatments so that people in Mississippi can live a healthy lifestyle um, and do that without having to worry about the costs associated with it. Dr. Bobby Mahajan, thank you so much for speaking with us and educating us on this important issue. No problem. Happy to help. Coming up, 
Black women in Mississippi are predisposed to higher rates of breast cancer, but are less likely to have access to proper health care. That's according to the Commonwealth Fund. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. From children's education to gripping drama, documentaries to comedy, MPB Television brings the world to Mississippi. With local stories, cooking, health, and music, MPB Television takes Mississippi to the world. There are many ways to support the programs you love on MPB. Becoming a member, starting a monthly gift, donate a vehicle you don't need anymore, and now donating a piece of land or other real estate. To learn more about the advantages of donating real estate, just click Donate Now from mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Michael Guidry. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and advocates are hoping for better access to essential health care in order to treat it. A 2021 scorecard from the Commonwealth Fund found that black women in Mississippi are more likely than their white counterparts to be diagnosed with breast cancer at a later stage and die. The disease is often considered treatable if detected early, but there are major gaps in health care access throughout the state. Our Kobe Vance speaks with Vangela Wade, president and CEO of the Mississippi Center for Justice and a survivor of breast cancer. She advocates for Medicaid expansion, saying it would help women get care earlier and save lives. I left my job in Atlanta, Georgia in 1993. I was, you know, of course, when you left, when I left my job, I left my insurance. Came to Mississippi to go to law school at the University of Mississippi uh, with, at that point, a single parent. Um, had no more money than what my financial aid and student loans would allow and had no insurance. And there was, I, I detected a, a lump in my breast and, uh, which I, you know, went to, to student health uh, on campus every six months or within that year, within a year of the three years I was in law school to make sure that, you know, it was, that it wasn't getting any larger, but that I had no insurance. I was again, single parent, no money. And I, I, did what I what I know to do best, and that's I, I prayed and I said, God, you take care of this. I can't. This is something I can't deal with right now. Some three years later, and once I got out of law school, got insurance uh, within 30 days of working at the Court of Appeals, and immediately, like I said, went in to the doctor and she said, Well, you need a uh, there's a lump, and I said, Oh yeah, really? Uh, and then she said, You need to have a mammogram, which I did. Uh, and then from there was, uh, you know, a biopsy and, and diagnosed. Um, but I tell you, I, I would not tell anybody else to do what I did, although it's worked out well for me. We need to have our annual mammograms. We need to go make sure that, you know, if we detect anything that seems abnormal, regardless of what anybody else says, we need to go to the doctor. For some people, that's a, something that's a norm. But for many of us here in Mississippi, it's not a norm where you can just go to the doctor for preventive care or to follow up on something like a lump uh, in your breast and, and get immediate, immediate care. Because many women without insurance, without money, they don't have that benefit, that privilege. And so that's why, you know, we certainly at Mississippi Center for Justice and me personally want the state to expand Medicaid to people, especially people who are without, women who are without, 
uh, to make sure that we can stay healthy and we can stay alive. Now, I know this is not a unique situation to yourself. I imagine so many people in Mississippi are facing these scary situations all the time of maybe finding a lump in their their own breast tissue and realizing they might have something they have to go to a doctor about but just can't afford it. Uh, What does it mean for you to talk about Medicaid expansion for those people who can't afford it, who can't go to a doctor because they don't have insurance or adequate insurance? It's important that I, as a breast cancer survivor, uh, speak up and speak out because I could have, you know, but uh, for having insurance at the time I actually got insurance, the lump had been there for three years. Now, whether or not it had been cancerous all that time, you know, that's, that's probably debatable, but certainly it was when it was when I finally had a biopsy, only after I'd gotten insurance. Uh, was I able to do that? And so for women who are walking around, who are walking, driving, but working, trying to live in Mississippi without insurance and not having that ability or that capacity to go into the, to go to a doctor on a regular basis or when they've detected some type of abnormality in their breast or wherever it might be, it's almost, for some people, it could be a death sentence. Uh, without having that insurance, because the longer you wait, you know, it could mean that it's, it's metastasizing or spreading, and you could be, uh, you know, really limiting or minimizing your ability to, to survive or to fight it in a way that won't be debilitating to you and or your, your family. So it's important to me as a, as a woman, as a Mississippian, to talk about breast cancer, to talk about the, the necessity for women to have, or for all people in Mississippi, to have affordable insurance. And if that means expanding Medicaid so that we can have, can have that and we can live and we can be with our families, then the, I, I see no reason why the state shouldn't do that, especially if even the state economist has said that it will not cost the state but bring, bring in additional funds to the state. There is no rational rational reason why Mississippi uh, should have its citizens, and especially its women, uh, that since we're talking about breast cancer, walking this state as though we're the walking dead. This is a problem that is especially compounded for black women such as yourself. Mississippi is the second worst state in the nation for black health, according to a study by the Commonwealth Fund. I wanted to get your thoughts on having access to screenings for breast cancer and other health-related issues. That's obviously a health issue, but do you see it as a justice issue as well? Most certainly. I understand the report, and I've seen, that, you know, for years there has been research that says that even some, that some cancers are more aggressive in uh, African-American women than they are in others. So that's, you know, one issue. But certainly knowing that we have that that issue exists, that the numbers increase based on whether you're, you're, you're black or white, poor, because uh, I'm certain that that comes into play as well. But if you're a woman, black woman, and you're amongst the most uh, the, the lowest of income in the state, then certainly any health issue is going to be exacerbated by the fact that you have no insurance to seek care, and particularly, as you said, preventive care. And if you don't have screening and preventive care, then whatever that issue is, cancer, it has, it's going to 
grow. It's going to get uh, to the point to where, you know, treatment is going to have to be uh, probably more intense and more uh, aggressive, which means that you, you won't be able to care for your family. You won't be here for your uh, for your parents, your senior parents that you're attempting to take care of, uh, to see your grandchildren grow up. Vangela Wade is president and CEO of the Mississippi Center for Justice and is a breast cancer survivor. Vangela, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I appreciate you allowing me to express my views and give a benefit of my experience as a breast cancer survivor. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.